0: Green and Peterson is taking care of things
1: right now. Down the sideline. If he can get loose, he's gone. Iligua will score. The Wesley Fields.
0: Touchdown. Georgia Southern.
1: All right, Georgia Southern fans, welcome to another episode of Georgia Southern Extra. I'm Travis Chadon, the beat writer for Georgia Southern Athletics at the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. And we're joined today. Uh, by Mike Anthony, sports editor and beat writer for Georgia Southern at the Statesboro Herald, and I think you guys might have a clue as to what we're going to talk about today. We got a couple of things to talk about. Mike hasn't really been that eventful of a week, has it? Did it, did I miss something? I think maybe yeah. You might have missed something about that quarterback Wirtz in South Carolina. Something something or another.
0: I think I heard something
1: about it. Yeah, not really worth your time now. All right, guys, you already know, if you're listening to this podcast, basically what what went down. I'm not going to go over what happened with Wirtz uh, originally with the cops in Saluda County, South Carolina, and how he got pulled over and all that. Hopefully, um, by now, you kind of are caught up to that point of the story, at least. Um, um, But we learned today on Friday that Wirtz's suspension is lifted after we learned on Thursday, that the drug charge for cocaine, possession of cocaine was dropped. The solicitor, which for, you know, those unfamiliar in Georgia, just think solicitor, at, you know, as the district attorney. Um, the solicitor said that he could not meet the burden of proof to prove that Wirtz knew uh, what he was in possession of or that he, Wirtz knew, um, you know, what the substance was was or that he even was possessing it, in other words, so there is no way that they could have met that burden of proof. That's what Wirtz's lawyer had said all along. Of course, that's what Wurtz's lawyer should have said all along. We know that. So Mike, I guess from someone that's kind of been tracking this, you know from states for all kind of, you know, is this one of the stranger uh, things you've ever? a part of or covered uh you know in your time covering georgia southern yeah it's definitely up
0: there um uh, especially once the uh, stories start getting out there and you know it's kind of weird like you've got the facts and uh you know you can deduce some things you can wonder some things from the facts but then in this day of social media once those facts get out there it's like a game of telephone you know somebody uh construes it one way someone does it another and you know, once you put something out there, you know, five hours later, you log back on and all of a sudden there's 20 different tangents that's going on and everybody's got their uh, uh juris doctorate and everybody's got their own uh, case to be made for or against them. So it was, I don't want to say entertaining because it was definitely tens of deals for anybody involved with Georgia Southern football, but it definitely was a uh, sight to behold over about 96 hours or so.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a wild ride, especially for me, you know, having gone up to Saluda County, um, uh, you know, last week or I guess earlier this week, if you're listening to this on time, that was a surreal experience for me to be up there. I actually stayed the night um, on Tuesday night, met up with Wirtz's attorney on Wednesday as well, and then drove, I went to Clinton, South Carolina, where Wirtz had said he started um, his route that night. Uh, july thirty first I drove the route back just you know just c- to get a sense of it I was already up there and you know I, I I kind of just wanted to make sure that at least that part of the story could be uh you know extremely extremely accurate and uh nailed down and that ended up being the case so you know wirtz is for you know all intents and purposes clear now he's definitely not gonna be suspended any further the two practices that he missed um friday and saturday to open fall camp you know served uh, enough says tom kleinline georgia southern athletic ad i agree with him I, I think you know honestly looking back if if we knew that only the speeding was going to be charged I, I think two practices might have been even a little bit steep um but I, I wanted to touch on a couple of things regarding this and then um, if you guys can even imagine it, we'll actually talk some football um, instead of bird poop, cocaine and salute County. So let's touch on a few things regarding this and then move on, hopefully for good. <clears throat> I, I wanted to to first clear up some things that I've seen on Twitter. Uh, first, uh, this won't help. I'm sure this won't uh, deter anyone from doing this, but let's be very, 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 very clear Uh, of two things. One, it doesn't matter what the substance was, period. It doesn't matter now. We don't have to worry about it. But to be very clear, when they tested it and it came back negative for cocaine, they did not then run it through their special bird poop test where it came back positive. Okay. So there are literally thousands of things it could be. Um, having seen it with my own eyes, I'm very confident that substance was not cocaine. I am equally as confident that substance was not bird poop. Okay. So because of kind of how the story broke down and kind of how it developed over those 72 hours ish, um, when it came back negative for cocaine, it seems like every headline I see now says, oh, it was actually bird poop. Um, But no, they don't have the bird poop test. Uh, we don 't know what the substance was, and that's fine, but let 's be accurate with it we don 't know what the substance was. alls we know is it wasn 't cocaine, which is the major major point but still, just to clear that up, the second point I want to clear up these cops the the that arrested shy words they made i, I guess i 'll say they made a mistake because it wasn 't cocaine, but they did not go um you know, they did not do anything out of protocol. Okay. They were kind of assholes in the video, but again, in dealing with cops after you're, you know, kind of riding them around the countryside for a few minutes, they're probably going to be assholes. So that, you know, that's to be expected, but what we cannot do is say that this was a setup or that there was some kind of malice intent, um, you know, Pre decided to, to nail shy Wirtz in, in the middle of nowhere um, is really, frankly, asinine to, to think that. Let me, let me read this quote from Wirtz's attorney, um, Towns Jones IV, which is just an all time name, Mike. We know that if you have a, a fourth in your name, the, you must be key. Um, oh, yeah. so, so Towns says this I ask him, do you and Mr. Wirtz expect an apology from Saluda County? He says emphatically, no. And and here's why he says, quote, they had a pretty credible base for pursuing and ultimately stopping him. And that is speeding. Then they didn't do anything wrong by attempting to collect evidence or what they saw as evidence, even though they had no basis from looking at him and looking at the inside of his car to think he was transporting drugs. But they still saw what they saw on the hood of his car and made a common sense determination of what they thought it was and then they collected it. It tested positive. So they were acting well within the bounds of the law at the time. End quote. That's all you need to know. If Wirtz's attorney is saying that the cops that that he said made a mistake, that the cops didn't do anything out of protocol and they were, you know, quote, well within the bounds of the law, then you should be satisfied with that. If Wirtz's attorney is satisfied with that, Mike, from all the things that you've seen and read and heard, um, you know, is there any part of this that that you want to kind of clear up or give your take on? Obviously there's about a dozen different things that we could go to with this, but um, I want to just give you the opportunity to kind of have the floor.
0: No, I I actually think that, you know, you can talk about lawyer speak and how people try to parse their words and all that. But I think that uh, Shai's attorney, A, nailed it, and B, put it in about as simple a form as you could put it. Uh, The only thing that's up for question is, you know, what about a speeding ticket would necessitate someone paying that much attention to a car hood and then deciding that they have to test a car hood? But that's beside the point. That's up for debate, none of us are police officers. We can't say whether or not they should or shouldn't have done it. So for everyone that's saying that someone was out to get them, you know, whatever, you you can't put yourself inside the minds of those police officers. And at the same time, you know, when they run that test, whether it was a false positive, whether they misread it, whether they misapplied the test, it really doesn't matter because when they get what they think is a positive, put yourself in that cop's shoes then. What are you supposed to do? Say it's a positive, but everything else checks out. So I'm going to let you go. So, I, I mean, I think that, you know, are there uh, courses of events that could have led to nothing being tested? This has been treated like a regular speeding pullover and uh, uh, give him a ticket and send him on his way. Yes, absolutely. But once events unfolded like they did, you know, I've seen the, the tape that you have and you can say that there might've been over-policing or overzealous policing, but this wasn't, you know, the slam someone around give them the third degree it to me appeared pretty civil you can judge for yourself whether or not you would have done as much or uh less but i think that everybody was acting uh uh within the means of how they should have acted uh, most of all shy words i think he handled it as well as you as you could have given that you know he's adamant that it wasn't cocaine and that's what the test turned up and He's being put in a really bad situation.
1: Yeah. And again, I'll just read. Let me just read a couple comments from, from Twitter that are related to that. Uh, here's one from at J Martin. Does it really matter what it is at this point? It was never cocaine nor appeared to be. The cop knew knew this as well and tried to frame the guy. Police corruption has to stop. Okay. That is, um, that's not a great take. I mean, that's.
0: Well, yeah. That, yeah. I was, I was actually about to stop you right there. Like the first sentence or so of, of that, it makes sense. It tracks, but that's where, you know, social media justice kind of gets out of hand is that you'll combine one solid fact with a lot of opinion. And that's where things get muddy. You know, it's not that anybody's right or wrong or malicious, but if you're talking in facts, talking facts. If you're talking in opinion, talking opinion. Keep the two separate.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and obviously, I encourage all this. You know, I like the interaction between oh, I'm all, all of for, it. Yeah,
0: I'm all for a great story, but if you're going to tell me what happened, just tell me what happened. Don't add in your thoughts too.
1: Yeah, or or at least make it clear that you don't know, but this is what you think. But when right. when when you're told. Uh, something by someone who does know. And, and again, a lot of these comments came before the public had seen the video. Uh, that is a dangerous, dangerous practice to, to just wildly accuse um, anyone, wildly accuse words or wildly accuse these cops uh, without having seen it with your own eyes. And if you're not going to, to kind of trust those who had seen it with their own eyes, then you're asleep at the wheel. And we all know what happens when you're asleep at the wheel. It doesn't go well. You know, you might be blissful and be getting some quality rest, but you're going to eventually go off the side of the road. And so, I think you know this kind of whole story is maybe a lesson uh, in fandom. Definitely a lesson in reporting for me. Uh, you know, I learned a lot from this. Uh, I definitely don't want to say I'm grateful for it to have happened, but I, I'll say this: I'm. You know, I feel differently now. Uh, then I did a week ago regarding Wurtz and regarding, uh, you know, just the way he goes about things. I mean, this guy, Wurtz, is obviously a special dude because to deal with what he dealt with, um, and to come out on the other side with, um, also a remarkably, a remarkably savage tweet, uh, once he got, <laughs> once he got, I mean, you, you guys should check it out. Um, obviously most of you follow shy on Twitter.
0: I'm not up Uh, on the meme culture and, uh, I'm a little older than all the kids frequent Twitter, but I think I have license to to say that he won the internet yesterday.
1: Uh, yeah. First off the the meme and gif tweet without words is undefeated. Those things are all time. Um, let, let me get to one more, uh, from one of my favorite guys on Twitter. This is my guy Rocco who just comes out of the woodworks, uh, and uh, really just looks like a stud in his Twitter profile. He's at 2XGSUNATChamp. He says to me, I bet you're upset about that, the fact that Wurtz uh, was cleared. He thinks I'm upset about it. I'm all, you're always looking to report a negative aspect on this program. I really hope we can meet in person this season so we can discuss your constant attacks and detrimental negativity on this program and its players. Rocco obviously has plenty of time on his hands. We, we know that from what he's tweeted. And obviously he doesn't have a lot of wherewithal uh, about the situation and about what my job is. Um, I think most of you listening, most of you following, understand kind of the dynamic of what what I'm tasked uh, with doing. Um, and I've got a lot of great comments and emails and phone calls about people, you know, grateful for the coverage and whatnot. But it's things like that, that that I can't ever even take serious, Mike. I mean, why would I be upset about Shag Wurtz being declared innocent? Uh, first off, I'm all for Georgia Southern winning every game they play from here on out as long as I'm covering this team. That, is, that would be awesome. I want them to win every game they play. Okay, They're not going to win every game they play if they don't have Wurtz. I also would like them to perform well against LSU. They were not going to perform well against LSU with, without Wurtz. Who knows how it's going to go now, but it's certainly going to go better with Words than without him. So, you know, I, I'm sorry if it comes off as me being detrimental to the program. But I promise you, when we put uh, Shai Wurtz's arrest story on the front page, A1 of the Savannah Morning News, the next day when the charges were dropped, that, that too was on the front page. So, you know, there is no bias here. You know, maybe unlike other places on the beach, there, there is no bias from us here at the morning news. And Mike, from everything I read with you, it's the same way. And I think the you know, the more rational fans and, you know, frankly, the smarter fans understand that. What say you about that, Mike? All I'm going to say is that you do yourself a favor and not ever feel the need to defend
0: the job you do. It's, you know, We depend on people to buy and subscribe uh, uh, our physical papers, our online editions. So, you know, if you do good enough work, they understand what you do. Um, All I have to say on it is that I am impressed. Uh, I don't know Rocco. I've only seen, you know, tweets to get put back and forth online. He has done a very good job of spanning the spectrum of being both Internet Tough Guy and Guy Who Uses SAT Words in the same threatening tweet. So kudos to him that's good usually you only get one or the other but as far as you know critiquing it's out there for you to see you know everybody knows what the story is now so i if you want to judge whether any of us you me anybody else in the uh georgia southern market whether we were too uh, uh accusatory or uh too much of a homer we'll you know wait until all the facts come out and then reread it and see you know read it again you'll be able to see exactly how good, fair, bad, whatever we were.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, and then also quickly, I guess we we do need to touch on Quan Griffin. You know, there's not much to say about this case, guys. You've read the report and it's not good. And and honestly, it's it's a little bit sad. I'll say this about the football aspect of it. I do think Georgia Southern misses Griffin, uh, you know, a little bit, but there's plenty um, on the D-line and especially on on both ends to to kind of make up for it. Um, I am very, very, very confident that Quan Griffin never plays for Georgia Southern again. Uh, Mike, is there anything you want to add on the Quan Griffin case and just kind of how that all went down?
0: I I would have to agree. And, you know, I've gotten some people messaging me or talking to me uh, about him as well. saying you know, we've seen all this on Wiltz, where's all the additional stuff on Griffin. And all I can say is that trying to bury anything and he is reports out there, and Georgia Southerns made very clear that their stance is they have no more comment while it's an ongoing legal case and unfortunately, it seems like it's going to be a legal case it's uh, ongoing for a while. It doesn't look good. I don't know Quan personally I, I wish him the best if it's as bad as it looks, and all I can do is you know uh wish if he gets better, but I would have to agree with you, it doesn't look like. Uh, he's in the Georgia Southern picture anytime soon, and yeah, uh, I guess our job is we have to worry about Georgia Southern and how the team looks, so you do have to talk about how that affects the team, and it will negatively impact them, but again, with the, the system that they have now and the way they rotate people out, um, it it doesn't, you know, it, it's going to impact them. He He was going to be probably a starter, but they should be able to make up for it, but it's just, uh, to me, it's kind of uncomfortable trying to talk about the two in the same right because really it's two different worlds talking about a guy who's not there and it costs him the sack or a guy who's not there and it's costing him years of his life
1: yeah uh, yeah and that's actually really well said mike i mean i'll I'll leave that right there All right, Georgia Southern fans, we have a new offer for you guys at savannanow.com. We want you guys to check it out. It's a newsletter focused on Georgia Southern athletics and Georgia Southern athletics only. This is a free opportunity for you guys to get caught up on all the latest news on the Eagles, whether it be on the football field, basketball court, baseball field, or what have you, but go join the mailing list for the newsletter, and this is how you do it. Go to savannanow.com and look on the right side of the homepage, click Get Our Newsletters, and go from there. The newsletter will have a blog post once a week, as well as other relevant Georgia Southern stories, opportunities to subscribe to the podcast, and other insider notes that you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe today. Finally, it's to, to touch on just this whole last week in general. Mike, I know where you're gonna go with this, but let me just put the point out there. This is not my opinion. Uh this is very few people's opinions from what from what I can tell, but some people do wonder about it. And that's kind of what this podcast is for is to address things like this. There are people asking did did Chad Lunsford do enough early on to support shy words? And obviously, it's a loaded question. You know, my opinion on it is that Lunsford handled it the correct way. I don't know yet how he feels. It, it, you know, if he feels like he should have done more, or and I also don't know it, it, you know, it could have come from higher up. For me, I think it was handled, you know, nearly perfectly. I, I would say that the the announcing of the two suspensions indefinitely, that, that Friday morning was was maybe not the best way to go about doing that. But I think as far as Lunsford standing by Wirtz, you know, if anyone is questioning whether or not <clears throat> Lunsford was on Wertz's side, quote unquote, I don't think that's up for debate. I I think some people are wondering should Lunsford have said more publicly? in support of words i don't know the the answer to that but you know it's i think it is worthy of at least a little bit of discussion mike have you heard anything like that and if so kind of what's what's your feeling on it
0: yeah i really think i can help you here um on two different fronts i can say that you know this is nothing i can print but off the record hearing from different sources inside the team very close to the team around the team uh people that were in contact with Shy, you know, even as he was going through that before any official statement was made, uh, I, I can say that, you know, there was a lot of trust and a lot of faith and a lot of support put behind him mostly because, you know, throughout this is his third year here. or four, I'm sorry, fourth year here. He had a red shirt year and then uh, freshman, sophomore, now coming into his junior year. So over three, four years going into his fourth, I think that the, the consensus opinion – for everyone who heard the news, no matter when they heard it was that doesn't seem like him. And of course that isn't anything that stands up in a a trial or a, a, a police report or anything like that. But once that evidence starts to come in, you know, you've got people that say, a, you know, he's not the kind of guy that would be associated with that. And then B, I heard people saying that when it comes to anything, you know, not, not even drug related or police related, but even just breaking curfew or, did you get in your workout? You know, when it comes to uh, being truthful with coaches, everything I heard was that none of the coaches had any reason to think that Shai had been anything other than honest with him before. So when you combine his honesty before with the impression that he gives off to his coaches, his players, everyone around him, and then once he gets back to town and provides a clean drug screening, you know, yeah, there's still ongoing police work to be done, but that's a whole lot of chips and shy's pile to uh, to bank on him and then to kind of take it in another direction as far as, you know, were they public enough about their support? Uh, I mean, I know that I- I've, been, I've been in the game a little bit longer than you, not to say that I'm better than you or more experienced, but that also means I've been in more trouble than you. And I don't know how many <laughs> times you've been called into the HR office, but sometimes when you mess up, HR, yeah, they're the bad guys. They <laughs> end up showing you the door, but they're also there to protect you. So I really think that the whole uh, initial statement of, you know, this is what happened. He got arrested. He's now suspended from all football activities. Yeah, that sounds harsh, but at the same time, that also shelters him from the public eye. He's not out there at practice. He's not, uh, you know, out there for you and me and everybody else to shove a microphone into his face and ask him about it while all this is up in the air. So it might seem cold, but at the same time, a lot of times when it's cold, it's calculated. So I don't know what the ED plan was. I don't know exactly how that meeting went, but I think that for those saying, why weren't there more people beating the drum for him? That could be why, because the more vocal you are about his innocence, the more you have to go in front of me and you and everybody else to answer for exactly why you think he's uh, innocent about it.
1: Right. Yeah. And that, that's my feeling on it too. I mean, it's, I think it was handled the, the, just the proper way. I don't know if there's any other way. Um, to put it, uh, let's talk some football, Mike. You want to talk football?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, can I can I say one more thing about the whole shower? You
1: can thing? say as many more things as you
0: want, Mike. Well, no, it'll be real quick. I just think that you were the best possible person to send to Saluda and to Clinton to retrace the whole route and everything because I've seen your car and there's no way that you could have sped
1: in Saluda. That thing <laughs> could not
0: do... <laughs> 55 much less
1: 80 well luckily i i did grab a rental car uh Ah, well (laughs) uh, otherwise i'd still be in saluda (laughs) county likely i knew it was asking too much for that thing to get you like 250 miles (laughs) Uh, yeah and uh, right now currently the uh 2003 buick century doesn't have a right window that rolls up so anyone who can help me push my window up that would be greatly appreciated good times good times all right, let's talk football, Mike. Let's uh, let's jump in right now, just strictly general conversation about fall camp and kind of what we're looking for, you know, now that it's August 9th as we're recording this. Boy, we are really, really close now to, to, to starting this this season off, and I cannot wait. Mike, you've been out at practice a little more than me. Obviously, we've all kind of been busy uh, with things outside of practice, but, I, you know, I've tried to keep up with what you've wrote and what, what the uh, program is putting out. And it does seem like there are a lot of guys that are, um, you know, quote unquote, impressing people. I think, you know, a couple of the names that I've read and heard a lot about so far, a true freshman um, slot, Caleb Hood. That's Caleb with a K. You know, supposedly he's looked really good in practices. And that slot position, Mike, is something that I think Georgia Southern is in a weird predicament there. You could either look at it one or two ways at slot. Either Georgia Southern is extremely deep there, or they're extremely unsure there. Now, to, you know, to be clear, I think Malik Murray and Najee Thompson are legitimate slot weapons. I mean, I think those two guys are going to be good, but there are a lot of guys right in there behind them that could offer up some, you know, some production this year. And especially with that new four-game rule that freshmen are allowed to play four games and still redshirt. I think that you know that only helps um, those guys kind of stay locked in, um, if you will, because you never know that you'll have the opportunity. Najee Thompson's a guy that can really play slot, uh, probably the ZNX receiver spot. Um, but if they can nail down the slot, Mike, and really be comfortable with two to three guys there, I think then you're starting to look at Wes Kennedy's role at running back. You can do a little bit more with him there. You know, for you having been around a couple of practices now, have you seen anything that that kind of sticks out to you as far as um, you know how they're using the slot and how they're using the running backs and kind of how they're um, you know format or formatted before the snap um, and what maybe what they look like? Well, right now, I think
0: that they're really just trying to build up as much versatility as they can. I know the last time I was on your podcast, I kind of. I went on a diatribe about how, you know, there's a lot of different options offensively speaking, as far as weapons that can catch a ball, move in space, run the ball, get you big plays. And it might be predicated on, you know, how well does shy read the defense? How well does the offensive line block? So, you know, you, you want to have, you know, available options if you need to go wide receiver heavy, if you need to go slot heavy, if you can just pile a bunch of different guys into the backfield and let them take turns running the ball. But, you know, at the same time, you know, if you feel confident, then you, you want to build up versatility and have guys, like you said, Najee and Wes, uh, guys who can split out and go catch a pass just as easily. If you're confident that you can block whatever plays in the playbook, well, then you really make it a uh, headache for the opposing defense when they see you know, there's guys up with binoculars on the uh, uh, press box level saying, hey, these guys are coming in. For a lot of teams, that means we can expect A, B, you know, maybe A or B. If you've got guys that can catch a pass, can take a handoff, can take a pitch, now it makes it a lot more difficult to scheme for. They can line up anywhere. So I kind of think that that's where they're aiming towards is the more familiar that everybody is with this offense, the more positions you can
1: learn, the more alignments you can have, the more dangerous you can be. Right. And, and then uh, Saturday, Mike, Saturday, August 10th, we'll be out there for Georgia Southern's first scrimmage of the spring. I guess, you know, if you could kind of walk the listeners through what to expect tomorrow, as far as, you know, who you're going to see, I, I can't imagine that a lot of the ones will be uh, a lot. I mean, first teamers, when I say ones, uh, a lot of the ones will be featured. I can't imagine that would be the case unless, um, you know, there's a guy at at a first string spot that's, um, you know, inexperienced, which is pretty unique on this team. I don't think there's many of those type guys. Um, But on Saturday, for me, what I'll be looking for is is a couple of those positional battles. And, you know, this brings me back to kind of last year. There's a couple of spots that maybe don't seem um, too important, but I, I can't really start anywhere else except for backup quarterback. I mean, obviously we know now, how important the backup quarterback spot can be. You hope it's you hope it's the least important position on the team, you know. Ideally, but you know, I think on Saturday, Mike, I'll be watching um, Justin Tomlin and Jalen Frazier um, and kind of how they do. And really, it's as simple as this: you can watch how they do and compare them directly. Uh, you know, maybe not stats wise, but using your eyeballs. Um, and and the scrimmage again is open. To the public at uh, at Paulson Stadium, I believe it starts at eight fifteen, eight thirty. Yeah, Um eight thirty? Uh yeah, eight thirty. Uh kids fan tests afterwards. Bring your kids, get your posters song. Nice. You gonna get Charlotte uh to get some some autographs? No, no, she's too lazy, she's not up that early. Yeah, she doesn't really strike me as the autograph type of lady, actually. She she's nah. kind of too big time for that. She yeah, she's too good for that. <laughs> uh, you know, but but look in the spring game, I mean, um, in the in this scrimmage game, keep an eye on some of those those potential battles again, like last year. I don't know that McGill Bowerly has completely nailed down the punter spot. Um, and Mike, correct me if you don't agree with this. Was there anything last year that Bowerly did that that tells you this year that he's he's the man no matter what? I mean. I would say that just like last year, he starts kind of uh, you know, with a head start over these guys and, and kind of has uh, you know, a leg up, pun fully intended, um, on on some of the other guys behind him. I think Anthony Beck, um, the Evingham product uh is probably right behind him. But but for Bowerly, Mike, you know, last year did not go very well. Um and in the Camellia Bowl, it finally kind of caught up to him. Um so that's what I'll be looking at is the backup quarterback, the punter. Um I'll also be looking at that that Mike linebacker spot where Raynard Reynard Ellis, um, who has you know really impressed people since he arrived in Statesboro last year from Furman. Um, but he's right now slotted over returning starter Chris Harris, Benedictine Grad, and Savannah Native. Um that's another spot that you could look at um on Saturday um and kind of you know use your eyeballs and see who you like better. But, uh, you know, I'm trying to think, Mike, any other spots that, that you're looking at or or did you want to comment on any of those positions?
0: Well, definitely, um, you know, uh, uh, backup quarterback. And I guess it's a, it's a relief that we have to worry whether the backup quarterback is the current two or three instead of the current three or four. Uh, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And you mentioned a couple names. I, I also wouldn't be here to talk about Jaden Um He's the youngest of the bunch, but he's also – Very athletic, but again, in this uh, offense, who who is that Mike? You said
1: you said Jaden Jenkins.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, one of their uh, uh, recruits from this year.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but it takes a lot to to not only learn. It's one thing to be athletic and make plays. When they call them in practice, it's another for uh, Bob Depess uh, calling in the plays on the offense to have faith in you that you can do it, execute it in real time. So Mm -hmm. I really think that especially in all option offenses, you have plenty of capable guys in terms of athleticism that are sitting, in the, uh, sitting on the bench, waiting in the wings, but it's a matter of trust. And, you know, it, it's kind of a give and take. Uh, the, the more that you start in an option offense like Shyworth's going into his third year as a starter, you've got a lot of confidence in him. You know he can do big things. But when you've got a third-year starter, that also means that you're really green everywhere after him. So I think that uh, the the preseason scrimmages, they might show some highlights from the backups, but I really think it'll be a sliding scale uh, throughout the year. God willing, uh, it'll probably be better that way because if it isn't, that means something happened to shy and they need to make a decision. So as far as backup quarterback goes, I think we'll have this discussion probably six more times this year. Um, everywhere else yeah. on the field, I think that, as you mentioned, the linebacker, that's a good place to have competition as far as I'm concerned because in this 3 4 offense uh, or 3 4 defense, those two middle linebackers, they've really got to take care of everything you know, in between the tackles. Even though I think they've got two potentially great ones, all conference ones, in uh, Reynard Ellis and uh, 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 Rashad Bird, mm-hmm. you need that competition there. You need someone to step in when someone needs a breather or goes down. I think that Harris might not just be uh the prototypical build for a guy in the middle but he definitely proved last year that he can uh serve that role so hopefully it'll it'll turn into a rotation everybody gets comfortable maybe they can even build a, a one in there to to be uh on the depth chart at the other side of that um but yeah i think that would be if you're looking for backups if you're looking for depth chart i would go to the middle of the defense that's middle linebackers and the safeties, which I know we talked about last time. Uh, it's a little up in the air who the starters will be. There's experience out there. I don't know if there's as much raw talent as you have at the corners, but if they can get some good production out of those safeties and the middle linebackers, I think you're looking at a potentially great Sunbell defense this year.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think the, the this defense is really can't miss. Um, and then, yeah, as far as the safety goes, Mike, I, I'm starting – to lean towards Kendrick Duncan being a lock. Uh, I know we already talked about him, you know, probably being the starter. I think he's approaching that, that status from everything I hear. Um, and you know, and everyone I talked to that you can almost slot in Kendrick Duncan at the free spot. And that would leave, um, probably, uh, Daryl Baker, Donald Rutledge. And, you know, a lot of people like this tree on pace, uh, true freshman at safety as well. Yeah. Um, Go ahead.
0: I, I think he's. I think he might have to leg up just because of how good the two guys are on the sides of him, in you know, Kendall Vildor and Monclavian Brinson. Yeah, and, and Brinson you know, and Vildor love proto-
1: love Duncan. They, you know, they vouch for him over and over.
0: Right, and when you've got two guys like that, you don't even need need to be a prototypical safety. You can really sell out, and that really is where Duncan uh, excels. Is on the extremes of the spectrum, he can. Ball Hall can play center field and get that big pick. At the same time, he can, you know, kind of abandon the middle of the field if he sees run, turn into a torpedo, isn't afraid to take on people, and, you know, proved last year that he can take down the best of the best. He probably had more tackles on uh, Etienne last year than uh, just about anybody he played. So but when you've got the ability to gamble like that because of the two guys who are locking down the corner on either side, maybe you can trade a little bit of experience from – someone like a Donald Rutledge, although he'd be great to hang back there too, but maybe you can trade some of that experience for just the explosiveness that Duncan can bring.
1: Yeah. I think having Rutledge just in the fold is going to do wonders for Georgia Southern. Just having, uh, you know, that ability to plug in a guy, even if he's not starting to have the ability to plug in a guy that you feel, you know, is going to, you know, he may not make spectacular plays, uh, you know, in the way that kind of, kind of, uh, You know Josh Moon would do occasionally, but what's in front of him, and 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 the play that he's supposed to make, having seen Rutledge play uh, last year at Savannah State, um, you know four or five times, he's that kind of guy. He's a solid guy. Um, I I compare him to and kind of just what he offers, not not the way he looks or the way he plays, but I I compare him to to Tamarcio Reese, just kind of ultra solid, and and you're never gonna like circle him. Uh, and you know, and say that you know this is what killed us. So I think having Rutledge just in the fold um, is, is only going to help those those younger guys. Did you want to Mike? Did you want to offer anything on the punter? I mean, I, I, for me, it comes down to Bowerly is the one that's taken most of the punts, and, and he's kind of been there, done that. I guess going into LSU, I, I think this answer is obvious. You'd rather have the guy that whose hands won't be shaking uh, when the when the long snap comes for a punt as opposed to a guy that maybe gives you two or three more yards on average on a punt. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you, you got to do better than, than, than you know, 34 yards on average. And also, you know, the time it takes for Bowerly to get the punt off just seems like. Yeah,
0: that's, that's way more concerning than the uh, average length. You know, if you can, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not a football coach, but as far as I'm concerned, if you're back into a corner where you have to punt, as long as you can advance the ball down the field, it's great if it goes farther, but <laughs> so long as you can get it down the field and get that guy tackled, then you did your job. So yeah, McGill Bowerly doesn't bomb it down the field, but uh the much more concerning thing is that he had what, three three punts blocked last year? And yeah, it, it seemed to be it, Yeah, yeah, there were a bunch of close calls and uh You know I understand the kickers are their own animals it's like a pitcher in baseball you can't really mess with their uh delivery and their approach or else it could totally screw up everything so you know maybe he can't help but uh take the the steps he does but you know that's putting a lot of pressure on a a lot of guys on the front line especially when an athletics one they'll have right out of the gate in LSU you know they've got three or four guys that are just going to be dead set to line up on the end of that line and give it their best run they've seen the same tape everybody else has so you know hopefully uh georgia southern just won't have to punt and you know any punter would probably be, be glad to be the most inconspicuous thing in the team, never gonna out there. but the fact remains they'll have to punt at some point and you know either the blocking's got to be better or it's going to be a little bit quicker because i think after watching the film from last year the the book's written on the georgia southern punt team and right now it's you know, send your fastest guy if you've got one in the corner because it takes him a little while to get them off.
1: Strategies from Mikey Memory there. Don't punt all year. Uh, I like that. I like that. That's the yeah, revolution. I, I right guarantee there. you if Georgia Southern doesn't punt all year, they'll win a national championship. All right, mark Keep that down, everyone. Time you time. heard it here yeah. first. Mike Anthony, yeah. guaranteeing that. All right, let's let's uh, let's wrap up, Mike. Um, uh, let's give these listeners a couple of key dates coming up. Obviously, we've talked about it August 10th, um, Saturday, Saturday. Georgia Southern will conduct its first scrimmage um, uh, a week later, I believe, uh, will be the second scrimmage also at Paulson Stadium. Um, And then they will scrimmage on the 22nd, August 22nd at Paulson. That's an afternoon scrimmage. Check the exact time. Um, But that one, that last scrimmage on the 22nd, I would think would be, um, you know, I I think there'd be a good bit of people there um, to take that one in since it's, you know, free to get in. Afternoon, where people are getting off of work. Um, August 23rd, big day for us here in Savannah. The Georgia Southern team will come down to Savannah to the Armstrong campus and practice. Uh, They'll have their Savannah Fan Fest. If you are in the Savannah area, I cannot tell you, you know, how, you know, I guess how fun that is for fans in this area to see their favorite team practicing in their backyard. And so, if you're around, if you're available, I would be there on August 23rd uh, at Memorial stadium. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's not at the Armstrong campus. Um, it's at Memorial stadium in Savannah, um, on August 23rd, that's a great opportunity to kind of meet and greet players, coaches. Um, and you know, if you are one of the people that would like to talk face to face with me, I will be there as well. Um, so you guys should plan on being there on the twenty third. Mike, you want to let everyone know um how they can follow you, how they can read your stuff?
0: Yeah, we'll be uh continuing to cover fall camp. You can read me in print at the Statesboro Herald, uh on at com. We do uh uh now that fall camp's starting up, we're doing videos every week. The Eagles Nest they come out every Thursday or Friday on uh for dot com. And uh you can keep up with me on Twitter. At GS Herald Sports.
1: Awesome. And for us at the morning news, you can follow me at Jadon Sports SMN. Um, obviously, visit SavannahNow.com for all of the latest on the Wirt saga. We got JD King news coming next week. I don't anticipate it being great news, but news nonetheless. Um, we do have our new uh, Georgia Southern newsletter um, for anyone not. Uh, subscribing to SavannahNow that's an that's an opportunity for you to free to freely look at uh what we offer for Georgia Southern so sign up for that it's free um and you get a bunch of little tidbits and notes on the team um kind of as they're happening and it's a really easy really nice way um you know to wake up and kind of catch up on your eagles really quickly um so you know wanna thank you guys for listening want to thank you guys for supporting us can I through- put in one more plug? Yeah you
0: can plug the entire time I've been talking to you here, I've been smoking a Boston Bud on my back porch. I just had a new fence put in and I've been on the alert. We've had a tough week. I've got to plug the Browning twenty two. There are multiple birds on the pine trees around my new fence. Not one of them has gotten in the perimeter. No bird poop on the property. Wow.
1: Wow, that's that's um that's just radiant podcast material there. there so It's dangerous
0: stuff these days. You got to keep it out of your home, bro.
1: Listen, you got to keep those birds away from you. We know how dangerous those things can be. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and share with your buddies and friends. uh, This podcast, Georgia Southern Extra, we really appreciate you guys listening. We're not far now from kickoff, so stay tuned, guys. Thanks for listening.
0: Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. Down the sideline. If he can get loose, he's gone. Illigwe will score. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern.